Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. J.J., how are you? I'm good, Don. How are you? Good to be back with part two of our conversation with Ian Morgan Cron. Yes. We're talking about the Enneagram, but Mm -hmm. before we get into that, you have just a couple days left to go to businessmadesimple.com and get Business Made Simple University. It is an online platform that is intended to develop your career and the career of everybody who works with you, everybody in your office, and it's dirt cheap. It's 275 bucks. We're going to keep adding courses to it, but it launches with four great ones. Mission statement, how to write your mission statement. Message, how to clarify your message so people actually listen. Marketing, how to create a sales funnel. That is a huge course that JJ, Yumi, and Kula did yeah. together. And it's awesome. And then Ian Morgan Cron on the Enneagram because uh-huh. we want to make a big investment in emotional intelligence. You have until November 7th at midnight to get the buy one, gift one free. After that, it's basically double the price if you want to look at it that way. It's 275 bucks instead of 235 bucks for two. So go to businessmadesimple.com and get access to the university right away. Now we're going to finish this conversation with the Egan Morgan Cron. If yep. you listened last week, we went through the Enneagram types one through four, and now we're going to go through Enneagram types five through nine. And you and I joked that last week was better than this week because yep. both of us fit into that <laughs> <Yes>. one. <laughs> but the reality is some of my favorite people on the planet, mm-hmm. my buddy Dave Price is an Enneagram five. My wife is an Enneagram six. One of my heroes and closest friends, a guy named Bob Goff, is an Enneagram 7. Yeah. Uh, Doug Kime, our new uh, executive vice president, who we all love, is an Enneagram 8. eight. Tyler yeah. Ginn on our staff <laughs> is an Enneagram 9. And together, they just make you know an acapella group For that real. you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Power team. They play very well together. And yeah. that's because they have different strengths and they have different weaknesses, different assets, uh, different liabilities. By the way, you're going to recognize these personality types. You're going to say, oh my gosh, that's my Aunt Nancy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh my gosh, that's my boss. And they're going to help you love, affirm, show grace, and work with and coach all of these different types. Ian Morgan Cron is considered probably the world's expert on the Enneagram right now. His book is The Road Back to You. I think it's the best introduction to the Enneagram out there. You can get it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Or you can just listen to last week's episode and this week's episode <laughs> and of get the, the podcast. business made simple course and yeah understand. and get the, and get yeah. business enneagram made simple at businessmadesimple.com if you want to watch in video yep. that's a fantastic course by the way it comes with yep. a workbook really helps you understand who you are how you're wired and how everybody on your team is wired go to businessmadesimple.com for that but for now JJ I don't think there's a whole lot of reason for us to keep talking because yeah. this is a long conversation here is the rest of my conversation with Ian Morgan Cron What's the underlying belief of a five? So the five's unconscious motivation is to know everything. It is to perceive. But they're not know-it-alls, really. I notice fives don't necessarily show off that. Do they? Sometimes. Okay, they can. The fives that I know, they're actually just encyclopedias. But sometimes a five in an unhealthy space can be condescending with their knowledge. Hmm. Because the knowledge is a defense against the belief, the, you know, sort of the private belief of that they're inept and inadequate. Mm. So the, sometimes the five will, you know, you know, it's like when you go to a professor and, and they, you'll, they'll ask you a question about much ado about nothing by Shakespeare and you go, I didn't read it. And they'll give you this look down their nose like, <laughs> you haven't read much ado about nothing? And it's, you know, kind of using, uh, weaponizing knowledge in order to feel better than 
the person who doesn't have the knowledge. Right. This is a five, by the way, that's not very self-aware. A self-aware gotcha. five would not do that. Yeah. Right. My five friends, yeah, just wouldn't. Right. Uh, they, they, they're not going to do that. So these are very analytical, emotionally detached people. Most emotionally Are they always detached. introverts? Not necessarily. But usually. Or introvert characteristics. I think so. But okay. but I'm never surprised. You know, yeah. here's how I often talk about the Enneagram. When I talk about characteristics and, and anything about a type, I'll go, don't be surprised if they're yeah. introverts. Because yeah. I, I do always want to make space for each of these types to have their own way of being in the world. Maybe I'd put it like this. Each of these types is a, a low-resolution picture of a person's way of being in the world. Now, it's going to give you about a 20% more clarity than someone who doesn't know the Enneagram, and that's a gigantic amount in terms of an advantage, but it's still low res, right? I mean, we're creating space for, you know, the fact that these are not, you don't want to get locked in this idea that these are perfect descriptions of every single type. There's no right. such thing as a pure type. Right. So let's just, you know, keep that in mind. I love that it's not INFP, ENTJ. Right, right, it's right. like, that's a little too boxy. You yeah. know, uh, this is more this is a nuanced. More fluid. Yeah, a little bit more nuanced. So How uh, do you win with a five? You know what I said? That with twos, you want to make sure there's a lot of foot traffic. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you want to incentivize a five. No foot traffic. No foot traffic. <laughs> Just tell them that they can go work at Starbucks. Just tell them, take your laptop, go work at Starbucks. Gotcha. They it's really we have a five on staff who's twice as productive if he works remote. Totally. Yeah. I worked with a company and uh, the guy was a three and he was overseeing 500 coders. A three working with 500 coders. Who are probably mostly fives. Mostly fives. And when I described fives, his eyes got like saucer large. I mean, you know what I mean? He was like, oh my gosh. And I said to him, stand a foot further back from the five than you would with a two, or even with yourself, right? Because they have a lot of private space. They're not very tactile people who want you to pat them on the shoulder necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling twos all the time, stop hugging fives. <laughs> like, they don't like it as much as you do. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think with fives, you know, giving them space to work in solitude and for them to have control over how much contact they have with people in, in the course of a day. The three wants the corner office that's got the glass walls for everyone to see, but the five wants to be in the closet, you know, in the basement. Right. With 10 PAs between them and the rest of the world. Now, again, I'm overstating things, but for the sake of illustration, but again, it's just a different way of being in the world. So you can incentivize them by giving them just privacy. So give them space. Give them space. Give them privacy. And by the way, give them a task. They'll get it done, man. Yeah, yeah no, they're, they're incredible. Yeah, they're going to get it done as long as they don't get lost in the research. At some point, they have to go, enough research. I got to just do it. In personal interaction with a five. I know yes. in business, you want to give them their space. And, and the negative thing to hurt them would be you don't. Throw them in a room with a bunch of people, put them in a bunch of meetings, you know, those kinds of things, lots of personal interaction. In personal interaction with a five, what don't you want to do? Don't pry into their personal lives. Hmm. Because you, so the opposite of a two. How'd you, oh, how were you this weekend? What'd you, totally. Like, opposite yeah. of a four. If you said to me, hey, man, tell me about your family. I'm going to tell you pretty personal stuff about my family. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. You may even see that was a little bit of overshare. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't really need to know that about your family and its struggles and stuff like that. But with a five... You could ask the same question about five, and they would kind of be taken aback and feel like maybe that was prying. It's a little bit of like, where are you going? Why do you ask? I remember there was a five on our staff who I really love, and I, I said, where'd you go to college? And it, the, literally, the look on his face was, why do you want to know? What are you getting at? 
Yeah, like let how, them. I'm getting it. Where'd you go to college? I mean, I don't, I'm just curious. <laughs> We've never talked about it. Here's a good thing to do with fives. Don't ask them about their emotional life, per se, as much as tell me about your interests. Ah, so and, that's a good tip. Yeah, and you're going to be spending maybe three hours learning about their interest in, you know, uh, Studebakers from a particular year yeah, yeah. Uh, and all of the features it had in it. And they can be fascinating if they're not in a unhealthy space where they can become almost manic and trying to get information to you and it won't always necessarily be as organized yeah. in its presentation. Talking to them about their interests makes them feel valued and important and seen. Okay. Enneagram type six. I love sixes. Betsy Miller. Oh, I love Betsy Miller. I have so much love for sixes and I'm always sad that sometimes sixes are like, oh, we're kind of so common. Because we think there are more sixes in the world than the other type. Yeah. And sixes, sometimes like ones, can often devalue themselves in a way that I'm always trying to say, Mm-mm, stop it, stop it, you guys are awesome. They're called the loyalists. Their unconscious motivation is uh, they have a need to feel safe and secure in mm-hmm. the world. And mm-hmm. so these are worst-case scenario thinkers who are always prepping for the worst to happen because they just they want to be safe, right? So it's better to be My wife could become a prepper, like a real prepper. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. like five gallon tanks of be- yeah. you know beans and rice. And That's stuff. left inside yeah. the bunker. But she knows <laughs> she knows how much water we have to have to survive. She's it's really fascinating. We are not preppers. We do not have right. that stuff in our home. Right. Like we're building a house and there's a garage in the back of the garage. I wanted to put an office with no windows, just like give me a desk. This is where I'm going to get my writing done. It's my new writing shed. You know, it's going to cost 500 bucks to finish it. And she's just like, hey, you have so many offices. You have offices here and there. And I literally just looked at her and go, it's going to make a great tornado shelter. And she just went, yep. <laughs> Check approved. <laughs> it's, it's, what, it's what I like to call pre-traumatic stress disorder. You know, That's It's right. like they're just ready for it. And um, you know, we need these people in our lives because especially a guy like you who's very assertive and oftentimes won't notice what could go wrong. She's my because security you're so, system. You're, because you're so actually confident that you're like, I got it covered. Yeah. If something goes wrong, I got to we'll get out of it. Yeah. If we get kidnapped, we'll get out of it. We'll yeah. figure it out. We'll yeah. talk to them. Yeah. We'll work out a deal. Yeah. The nice thing about sixes is they'll prevent you from getting kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about the the chimps? Well, yes, but it, it, it bears repeating for our audience. Oh, I love this story. So there was a couple of research scientists, and they they wanted to see what would happen if they took a couple of the chimps in a group, a family of chimps who exhibited anxiety. They said, well, let's take them out of the group. Let's see what happens to the group. So they took if out... you this... remove the anxiety from the group, things will certainly get better. Take out the anxious chimps. Right? That's right. The ones that look like they are exhibiting signs of anxiety on a regular basis. They take them out, they come back six months later, and the rest of the family is dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's all dead. And here's why. We're picking out fountains that go into our pool. Like there's a wall next to our pool and there's going to be fountains. And one of the fountains that I thought was really kind of pretty poked out about four inches and the other ones were sort of flat against the wall. Betsy instantly knew a child will jump off the wall. They'll scrape themselves on that four-inch thing. We're going with the ones flat against the wall. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that is rapid risk management, like in the moment. And can you see how great that is in an organization? Oh, absolutely. We won't have kids cutting themselves up, jumping off the wall. Right. Same thing in your company, though. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. So I just did a podcast on typology where I had a guy, very successful company, one of my, one of the, my favorite companies uh, their name is Booster, and I feel free to say that on here yeah. because as a client, they are maybe one of the most fun, wonderful companies I work with. I just I love these guys. Seven is the CEO. 
He is one of the most dynamic, fun, yeah. inspiring. We can kill All the it. Fireworks. And his number two guy, his CFO, and really I think best advisor is a six. A little bit older, maybe five, ten years. I'm not sure what the difference is, but he is so great at just saying to the seven, awesome idea. And <laughs> and and here's the potential downfalls. And he does it in a way that doesn't deflate the seven because the six, this guy who's a six, is self-aware enough to know, I got to deliver this message in a way that's helpful, not in a way that's going to be a wet blanket. And I'm telling you, I'm sure they've been successful because of their relationship. That's awesome. Yeah, I love nothing, those be- Nothing better than healthy six. How do you win with a six? Honor the questions. They have a million questions. They doubt themselves, and sometimes they doubt the authority figure because they're worried. Does the authority figure have a plan in case something goes wrong? Right. So they're going to ask a lot of questions to see, well, does he or she know what to do when when things go south? And once you've answered all the questions and have not dismissed them, right? Because if you say to a six, stop being a pessimist, they'll say, I'm a realist. (laughs) So if you say to them... And they are. They are, right? could really happen. But it smells like pessimism to especially a three or a seven, people who want to keep charging forward with, you know, we can do it. The six is like, how? What if this happens? Are we ready for this if that happens? And how do you plan to do this when? And if you just say, great question, I'm going to do this. You come prepared to a meeting. All the contingencies are in place. And if once you get the six's loyalty activated, they are with yeah, yeah. you. Undying. Undying loyalty. Because they're like, I can trust this leader. Mm-hmm. If they don't, if they feel like you're sloppy, if you're not seeing the potential downsides... Uh, you're going to get somebody hurt. Yeah. Yeah, sixes are amazing. I love them. How do you hurt a six? Well, obviously, one is to not take seriously. Right. There are questions. I think another way to hurt a six is to be a leader that... Because remember, they're always looking at the authority figure. Right? Mm-hmm. They're always saying, are they a good guy or a good woman You know, in this, this role as a leader? Mm-hmm. You really have to be straight up with them. They do not like people who are dishonest. They can smell somebody that's not telling the whole truth. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. So as a leader, you got to be straight up with them and not in any way, shape, or form, like with eights, but for different reasons, landscape the truth. Yeah. You know what? I've learned that in the years married to Betsy. Don't hide things. Don't hide things. They can take it. Uh, it might freak them out more than an eight who has the same kind of dynamic in their yep. lives. But they really want to know what's going on because you really can't be safe and secure unless you know what's going down. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love them. They're awesome <laughs> people. Enneagram 7, the enthusiast. Oh, man. So if sixes manage fear with pessimism, sevens manage fear with optimism. It's a great way of seeing it. Right? Yeah. It actually makes a lot of sense, both sixes and sevens. Now, when you say that, they make a lot more sense to me. Totally. So sevens- Because they're both managing fear. That's the thing I didn't realize. They're both managing fear. One is by facing it, going to worst case scenario as fast as possible and figuring out what we're going to do. The other is to say, that's never going to happen. Let's just optimistically move forward. Yes. Got it. Okay. Right. So sevens are motivated. This is the unconscious motivation by a need to be happy, to plan stimulating experiences, and to avoid difficult feelings. These are adventure takers, mm-hmm. right? Adventure seekers, always thinking about the next escapade. Everything. Best best times of my life have been guided by sevens. Yeah. Bob Goff in Africa. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Bob. <laughs> or is, Bob anywhere. <laughs> Bob anywhere. Bob is the quintessential seven. Yeah. You know. 
Bob in the Middle East or went to Iraq with Bob? Yeah, with balloons. <laughs> Walking around Syria with balloons. We literally did. So that, I'm like, that's not a joke. We actually did. That's yeah, really I mean, funny. It is. It's fantastic, right? And yeah. when they're self-aware, a person like Bob who's self-aware, when you can channel your superpower correctly, everyone, every single yeah, yeah, yeah. number is fantastic, yeah. right? Sevens bring more energy to an organization. You want to see either a two or a seven when you come in the door because they bring the juice, man. They bring the yep, juice. Yeah, they do, yeah. And I'm always telling sevens, hey, you got to just be careful around fives. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, go easy with our investigators because you bring a lot of energy that can feel a little overwhelming to the yeah, five. Yeah, it's not your receptionist. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You want to win with a seven? One way to do it, you better have a job description that got lots and lots of different dimensions to it don't give them stuff they have to repeat over and over again they don't like routine feels like stuckness which is a bad feeling yeah uh, which they are trying to avoid at all costs i think if you want to win with a seven don't put them in necessarily now this isn't always true but sometimes i think in certain sevens it is in management positions for too long they're great startup people but they're not great in management oftentimes because in management, you got to make hard calls. You got to fire people. You got to yeah. dis- you got to discipline people, right? Yeah. And they don't want to do that stuff. They don't want to do that stuff. It's yeah. bad feelings. In fact, if anything, what a seven will do is flatten hierarchies, hmm. so that there's this kind of camaraderie on the team because they don't really want to uh, go to the place of disappointing people. Sevens don't like to disappoint. Yeah, you know. So management can be difficult for them. I'm always telling people just keep moving around wherever you need juice. Send them there. Put some energy right there. They will put energy in, and it'll be very positive energy. Can you imagine? Emceeing events, emceeing meetings, helping a team bond, working with the human, not being the human resource, but working with them to say, let's do something fun. Yes, and because... Entertaining clients. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic at that. And I would say they're so optimistic. You know, you want someone who says, we can do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, hit to borrow that. the phrase, yes, we can. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like they bring, and not only that, we're going to have fun doing it. I mean, who doesn't want to hear that message when you're taking on a new business or you're whatever it might be? I mean, you you right. want that energy around. Right. Right? If you want to lose with the seven, again, the opposite of what I've just said is put them in situations where they get stuck, where it's routine, where it's too predictable. Yeah. Right? On a daily basis. I have a friend of mine who's a seven, and uh, she kind of has the perfect job. She's a consultant, so she works with different companies all the time. It's never getting stuck in one company situation. Constant travel around the world. So works with companies in Dubai, works with companies here, works with companies in Europe. She finishes a job, moves on to a new one. I mean, this is a perfect job for a seven. Yeah. Right? I've got another friend of a seven that you've just described his career. Really? Yeah. Just going from place to place to place, always incredibly impactful. Yep. Could easily stay there and make millions, but moves on to something else, moves on to a different city. Yeah. So there you're leveraging something that's fantastic. You know, sometimes you hear people saying, you know, I leveraged my ADHD to become very, very successful. You know, I think with a seven, they're leveraging what could potentially be a negative and using it as a positive, but you got to be self aware and self knowledgeable Mm -hmm. to make that work. All right. Eight. Enneagram eight. Motivated by a need to assert power and control over the environment in order to mask vulnerability and weakness. You say they don't fear. They're not like the sevens or the sixes driven by fear. What are they driven by? What are they reacting to? Where did this personality come from? By the way, used to not be able to deal with eights hardly at all. I've learned to absolutely love 
working with eights. I love eights. Once you understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, you don't get offended. You know, it's it's just easier. Yeah, and they make me laugh. They oh, they're they're, they're very funny. Right. They are arguably uh, oftentimes a healthy eight is the most popular number on the enneagram. It's not surprising. People love the gusto. Yeah, the go for it. The honesty. Yeah, the you know they have a great sense of humor. You know when they're in a good space. When they're not, you know, like every other number, that's not when they lack self knowledge. They're a train wreck. <laughs> right? You know what I'm yeah. saying? We all are. Yeah, we all are. What is the that they're reacting to? You would say it's not fear, because fear is a dominant motivator of human behavior. So if they don't feel fear, what are they reacting to? Eights are kind of suspicious and a little cynical. Huh. And the cynicism is this. The world is a dangerous place in which the weak get taken advantage of and the strong survive. It's a might Closest make right to the world. Darwinian kind of mindset. Totally. Yeah. And I will not be at the mercy of anybody else. I will not let others control me. I will push back against limitations and authority sometimes. Gotcha. But I want the world... To, I mean, sometimes people feel like they're being controlled by an eight. And actually... That is not what eights are concerned about. Eights are less concerned about controlling you than they are about you controlling them. Hmm. So one of the ways, you know, with an eight, one of the things you want to keep in mind is because they're always kind of, not always, but they tend to push back against authority and they don't like being told, like sevens actually, what to do. Like if you want an eight to do something, just tell them to do the opposite. They want to push back a little bit. So with the Nate, you really have to set limitations, boundaries, expectations, keep them, you know, engaged. Oh my gosh, keep them busy. Uh, otherwise, I'm, my daughter's an eight. My daughter works 16. She'd work 16 hours a day. Yeah. You know, and she needs, because they have more energy than any other number. On They're the incredible. So they need to be working all the time. She's not happy when she's not going all the time. So it's like, you bake that into your calculations, you honor where they are, you help them not over-rely on their superpowers, because that's where, you know, over-relying on a gift, the gift becomes a liability. Right. We all know that. That's a standard formula. I think with the eight, you know, you just have to make sure that you are um, setting up guardrails. Actually, this is really good. When you know your Enneagram type, you know on your car, I don't know if you have this, it's like driver assist. Like when you start yes. to drift out of your lane, it bumps you back in. It mm -hmm. just nudges you back in. That's what self-knowledge does. Mm, yeah, it's true. So when you know your type and you know the types of other people, as you start to leave your lane, you start to over-rely on the gift. The gift starts to become a liability, bump, puts you back in the lane. I think that's a great way of sort of thinking it is. about type and what you can do once you know it. I've got an aide who's very close to me. We just brought him on staff. And as a three strategic visionary writer, I'll tend to cast a vision. I move at a 50,000 foot level and working with the principal personalities who are going to help us do this, those kinds of things. My default mode, which has driven my staff crazy at times, is I won't get in and actually manage the expectations. So sometimes they feel like they're flying blind. They know the big picture, but they're not exactly sure how they want me to get there. And I brought on an eight, and one of the things he's really great at is getting into the trenches and having the energy to help them see it through, which is just fantastic. Totally. Yeah. Uh, these are people it's who sleep that, on the it's floor. It's a piece to get that we've done. been missing. Yeah. In fact, you'll have to tell eight sometimes go home, <laughs> stop. You're going to get, you know, you're overworking, you're going to get too tired and get sick. I mean, because they will. And they're as work driven, themselves. they're as driven, if not more driven than a three. It's a slightly different motivation, but they're, they're in it with you. They want to talk about work. They want to talk about getting things done. Absolutely. One of the things, I had a, a guy that I worked with. He was a hedge fund manager of a very large hedge fund. He was trying to win the business of a guy, a very large 
firm and uh, trying to get some money under management from them. And he came to me and he said, man, I'm having the hardest time getting this guy to give me his business. This was billions of dollars. This wasn't a couple hundred million or something. And I said, well, tell me about him. And he described an eight. This guy's a three that went to Harvard Business School. You know what I mean? Like sharp, you know, the whole thing, the whole package. And I said, well, how are you dealing with it when he starts pushing against you? He said, well, I I just try to be diplomatic and calm. Mm -hmm. I said, give it up, dude. You got to bring it. And in a way that's respectful, but you got to bring it and push back against them. And I gave him some tips about how to do it. Won the business. I wish I had that advice 20 years ago, Mm. sitting with a a hedge fund manager, fund of funds, Enneagram 8, and went through this whole thing that I was going to do for fatherless kids. And he just looked at me and said, it won't work. Mm. And I was so offended by that. Like, how how can you just smash my vision? And I wish I would have known more then. Yeah. Because I said, it will, and here's why, blah, 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 blah. Now, I need you to show me my liability. Show me what I'm missing, Mm because this is going to work. And Mm -hmm. it would have been a totally different conversation. Absolutely. And and, and he and I became friends. Like, we spent a lot of time together after that. But I wish I would have known that about dealing with an eight, because he wasn't trying to hurt my feelings. No. You know? He wasn't trying to smash our dreams. No, not at all. He was actually just having a conversation with you. It wasn't a confrontation. It was a conversation. He was seeing my heart poured out on the table as an algorithm on Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, that investment won't work. Exactly. (laughs) It was really fascinating. Yeah. How do we hurt the feelings of an eight? What what do we need to avoid? I wouldn't worry so much about hurting the feelings (laughs) of an eight. I mean, they can be. I mean, you know, they have- But you can show disrespect. You can cause harm in the relationship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just waffle. Be somebody that's indecisive. Don't be indecisive with an eight. Yeah. Uh, Stick to the plan. Just put your nose down. Be a mule in the snowstorm. Put your head down and go. Yeah. Right? But if you're kind of a person who's like, ah, you know, I was thinking about that, but then I did to change my mind, the eight will be like, oh, golly. Like, just stick to the plan. Yeah. And let's We need to be in motion. Oh, yeah. 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 These are people with a lot of momentum. Yeah. Lots of momentum. They respect a strong leader. So you just don't want to be a leader that, you know, is a little waffly or too much of a consensus builder. You know what I mean? They'll be like, just lead. Yeah. You know, it's like the old patent thing, right? Lead me, follow me, or get out of the way. (laughs) That's that's an eight. They want to just like, lead me, follow me, or get out of the way. It's like, so, you know, you get a pony up or you're, you're kind of screwed with the eight. Enneagram nine. Yeah, called the peacemakers. I love nines. You know that because I'm married to one, father yeah. to a nine. Their unconscious motivation is a need to keep the peace both externally and internally, mm-hmm. right? Their inner world. They That's re- important to remember. Super important. Not just externally. They're internally doing something too. They want to maintain inner tranquility. Gotcha. They want to maintain that Buddha-like calm, mm. right? That serenity. They want to avoid conflict at all costs. They like the status quo. If eights have more energy on, than any other number on the Enneagram, nines have the least amount of stamina. Hmm. I won't go into all the reasons for that. They're fairly complicated, but you ask a nine and they will agree. Hmm. Yeah, they will agree. You want to win with a nine? I would say be a consensus builder. I would say when you are in a meeting with a nine, you have to draw them out versus allowing them to merge with the agenda of the group. Hmm. And so you really have to say, hey, John or Jane, I want to hear what you think. I want to hear your input. Uh, Do you agree with the group? Feel free not to agree with the group, because they often will merge into what everybody else wants to do. And, you know, if they're not very healthy, take the path of least resistance. Right. Right. So... 
that's something that will really help a nine win. Also, you know, nines, unfortunately, often devalue what they bring to the table, you know, and you have to tell them, man, you have so much to give us. Is that encouraging for them? Absolutely. They need to hear it. Yeah, sure. And, and they need to be reminded. Gotcha. Oh, because, you know, remember, in a way, we all fall asleep in our types mm-hmm. to the truth about who we are. Mm-hmm. And so just to remind them, you know, you really matter. And we really need you to step up and express your truth in this situation or and bring it to the table because otherwise we're going to miss out. Yeah. We have a nine on staff. He's our marketing director. He's fantastic. He does an amazing job, Tyler. And with Tyler, sometimes I know that I need to resolve tension almost formally mm-hmm. so that if there's something going wrong or whatever, we need to sit down and say, and it's not about his performance, but about, yeah, this didn't work, so we did this, blah, 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 and somehow help let them know that their boss also sees this as now a peaceful situation. Mm. And I hope that serves him. He hasn't said yeah. that, but I hope it does. But I just know story loops need to be closed. You know, we resolved this issue. We resolved this problem. We resolved this budget problem. We resolved this. Looks yeah. like this is working. You know what I love about nines? Huh. They know how to bring people along. You know, so for example, you as a three or an eight, sometimes a seven, you all are so assertive that sometimes you don't bring people along with you in the day. Oh, not true, Ian. <laughs> Whereas a nine... Nobody on my team yeah. would say that. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes consensus is the best way to make a decision. Yeah. You know, if you want to bring people along, practicing consensus and trying to listen to everybody and figure out what it is that they're bringing in. Is it slower? Sure. But in the end, sometimes having a whole team come along with you and fully on board is in the end, going to make things faster. Is that a way to lose with a nine? Don't create consensus? They don't like high-conflict environments. Gotcha. If you have a nine that's in a place where there's a lot of conflict going on and a lot, they're going to be shut down. They'll shut down pretty fast. If you want to lose with a nine, ask for a decision to be made too quickly. You you make decisions in a heartbeat, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You're like, boom, 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 boom. Eights, lots of other numbers make decisions quickly. Not nines. You know, nines want to take that in and then they'll really want to think about it and sometimes then you you also have to tell them time's up yeah you're gonna miss the opportunity yeah get off the fence because sometimes a nine will sit on the fence because getting off the fence and announcing a decision will cause tension conflict yeah yeah and tension so you have to say to them hey you know what i gotta get a decision don't let life make the decision for you here you know it's interesting in we filmed this course enneagram made simple this is your first ever online course. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. And you did an incredible job. We spent a couple of days doing this. And you know, it's one thing to listen to this podcast and for you to understand it, but to watch in video and follow with a workbook of everybody in your organization understanding every other type. And then you put that number on their desk. You know, in the last episode you talked about this saving five years of cultural conflict. I think it's it's more than five years. It's fifty years. It, it is conflict that is not going to go away. The right. tension that is not going to go away, misunderstandings that are not going to go away, lack of productivity that are not going to go away, leaders who are blind to their liabilities and who are causing tension in the organization, that is not going to go away until we, one, understand that we are all very different, and two, understand how the ways that we are different and how the simple ways that we can interact with each other to make things work better. You know what I love about consulting days? What? I can really go in there and I can say with integrity, not overselling. I really believe this. I've seen it time and again. I can walk in the door to a CEO or an HR person who's trying to make a decision whether to hire me or not. I can look at them with all confidence to say, I will save you time. (laughs) 
Mm -hmm. I will save you. You saved so us a ton much of time. time. Because well, look, if you got five 28-year-olds in a room, right? And they're all meeting each other for the first time. You're integrating new people all the time. You give them the Enneagram, they got stuff to talk about all day long yeah. immediately. Yeah. And right away they're like, oh, you're a four or you're a seven? Oh wow, my brother. You know, I mean, the vernacular you're given brings so much juice and appreciation and energy to the space. I can't begin to commend it enough to leaders. And I've seen it, you know, let's face it, we hear people marketing stuff all the time. Yeah. And it's like, you're always kind of, sometimes you roll your eyes like, okay, that's over-promising. I can tell yeah. right away, this is not over-promising. Well, this it's been legitimate. more powerful for me than the disc test, than uh, Myers-Briggs, than any of that stuff is the Enneagram. And I think it, it transcends work. I mean, it goes into way into our relationships, how we parent, all that kind of stuff. It's fantastic stuff. Ian, thank you for your time. Real quick, the book is The Road Back to You. Mm -hmm. It's available on Amazon or wherever you buy books. And the course is Enneagram Made Simple. We love it. We are so grateful that you took the time to mm -hmm. put it in the Business Made Simple platform. And don't forget IQ9. Yeah, so there's also an assessment that you can take. And where can they go to get that assessment? They can go to ioncron.com. Okay. And they'll see the IEQ9 tab on the top. And I believe in the course, right? There's yep, a, yeah. at the end of the course, in, in the they'll course. see a link. Well, not even the end of the course. The whole time you're taking the course, there'll be a little button there. Yeah. This is more about Ian. So go there. You know, you take the online assessment that is the equivalent of which which character on Friends are you? That yeah. is not, that's not the one you want to take. <laughs> you want to pay a little money for it. That's not very expensive. You'll find out exactly who you are. And you get a 40-page some odd report. Yes that's all talking about you so it's a great thing Ian it's no wonder that you've blown up over the last few years it's a medicine that's working yeah and understanding the Enneagram and self-knowledge thanks for being on the show thank you Doug Well, there you go. Yeah. That was worth breaking up into two parts. <laughs> For real. Every time I hear it, because we've had him on our podcast before, you and I have both been on his podcast. We've talked to him about this. We've read the book. And every time he talks, I learn something new. Yeah. And, you know, and he's not even getting into so much stuff that we get into in the course. No. He's not really getting into subtypes. He's not getting into the stuff that... Uh, there's subtypes and then there's wings. Yeah. And he's hardly getting into any of that stuff. It keeps going deeper and deeper, and it helps you understand people. You know, Ian says over and over, one of the worst mistakes that you can make as a human being is yeah. to think that other people are wired the way you are wired. Yeah. You know, if we can get out of ourselves and discover the beauty and nuance of other human beings... You're just going to have richer relationships. Yeah, for sure. So, Ian, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for doing the Enneagram Made Simple course. We are so grateful. Thank you for your book, The Road Back to You. And, of course, you are welcome back anytime. So until next week, thank you for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy. And creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. <laughs>